Ian Collins wants a word. Powered by the Mitsubishi L200. With a five-year, 125,000-mile warranty that goes on and on longer than a party political conference. Thank you very much indeed. Hello, good evening and welcome. Ian Collins wants a word. Hello and spring greetings to a brand new episode, the podcast that defies convention, breaks down boundaries, challenges your internet and broadens your mind. We- Hang on, Kev. Kev, this is the script for the moral maze. Hang on. Here's our one. Hello and welcome to Once a Word. It's f***ing awesome. There you go, Kev. Much better. On the show, this. Hello, Ian, Kev and A-Funk. A mahusif bag of this. I can't interest you in Rapscallion Tumble Monkey. Man, we'd be left shaking like a Diddy Coy's whippet if we didn't distribute lots of this. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) And we're beside ourselves with flipping joy over all of that. Joy. Joy. Particularly, of course, uh, because of the mystery guest, Kev. Yes. What have you done? Oh, I thought you were saying I oh, was. Oh, you tinker! Guest. No, who have uh, you got and booked? Right, is it Hollywood? We're we going Hollywood. No, well, look, I don't want to give anything okay. away, but let's Comedy. just say I have almost literally dug up a guest I know you're going to love. Barbara Windsor. We tried; she wouldn't come on. She doesn't like you, but that's okay. That's fine. Let's just say that it's something that uh, that, that I think you will enjoy, and okay. whoever he or she or he and she or it may be. Yes. Well, I'm excited. Have you got some questions, Kev? It's questions and feedback via social media, like Facebook, Twitter, Grindr, Voxer. Like all of that. You name it, we do it. From Zara. Zara says, I find Twitter a bit terrifying. It's like a retarded Wild West occupied by Justin Bieber fans and porn robots. Who should I follow to enhance my tweeting experience? Us. Well, I mean, we're assuming that Zara's already following. Yeah, I'd have thought so. It's strange, isn't it? There is that whole thing with Twitter where you've just got to follow certain people. So, you know, you have to, it seems, follow Stephen Fry, which I don't. You have to follow Philip Schofield. See, now, it's interesting. I feel pressured into following Stephen Fry. I I feel like I have to follow him because everybody else does. And I think that's probably why he's got, like, four million followers or whatever it is. He never says anything of consequence. No, it's usually, you know, off to... Norwich to watch the football, just got back from filming. They seem to be yes. the two things he talks yeah. about most. Got a new iPhone. Got a new iPhone, it's really good. Well, who do you tend to follow? I mean, other than me, because I know that you follow me. I don't think I do follow you, do I? When we leave here, do you think I want to follow you on Twitter? Do think I'd give a f- what you had to dinner? Yes, because that's what I do. I sit there and I tweet, this is what I had for dinner. Chops. Again. That's it. Andre's on Twitter as well. Yeah, Andre is on Twitter. Yeah. What's his Twitter tagini? At Oops. <laughs> Is it just at Andre Porch? Uh, at Andre J Porch, I think. That's yeah. right, yeah. Follow Andre. Give on him Twitter. some love. Andre J Porch. He doesn't use it that often, though. Not... He always complains about people not paying attention to him, and but then he doesn't use yeah. it. Yeah, and you've got to tweet to get followers, Andre. Yeah. That's how it works, son. From Nick, who says, Are you two planning another road trip? I quite liked the last one. It made me chuckle. Hmm. Yes, actually, is the answer. Yes, are we? We are doing one in the summer. Oh, good. Anywhere nice? Oh, yeah. We're going to have a lovely trip in a very special car. Is it the Popemobile? Oh, that would be amazing. We could drive through Bromley Town Centre with you in the Popemobile with the logo on the side, and people would be clapping and waving and cheering you in the street. It would be amazing. The new Pope's got a new Popemobile. Well, isn't he a bit sort of like 
he he doesn't... religious. Yeah, quite. Yeah, yes. He also doesn't like security and things. He wants to be of the people. Yeah. And a new Pope mobile is like a bike or something, isn't it? <laughs> it's a Sinclair C5. It's just one of those segues. That's what he's got. <laughs> From Fabulous Dan Siren. Here's what Fabulous Dan says. Hello, Ian Kev and A-Funk. As a Twitter bet, Sideshow Kev placed two shiny Scottish pounds into a Save the Magpie charity collection tin after I changed my Twitter name to Fabulous Dano 375 over Christmas. What charities get up your nose? Is it the Snow Leopards? I bet it's the Snow Leopards. <laughs> it's a little bit of the Snow Leopards, I have to say. I don't know if it's specific charities, the, the chuggers in the... St- Charity muggers, by the way, not people who masturbate in the street, because that would be wrong. <laughs> Unless you've been to Camden in London recently, in which case, pff, happens all the time. All the time. But, you know, how are you today? Walking up to you, trying to shake your hand, or, you know, be, like, friendly. Hi. Well, then they do that funny choreography where you're walking, and they kind of walk backwards, but in front of you. Yeah. And then as you move to one side, they move to one side. Oh, look at us. Sort of like, hey, look, 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 we can't get past each other. Isn't that strange? Yeah. Give us your money, you shit. That's kind of what they're trying to say. And they don't work for the charities themselves. No. They don't really give a toss, and they should all be removed with a water cannon from the street. I think that's fair enough. In terms of actual individual charities, I think it'd be very difficult to sit on a podcast and slag off individual charities, my, not? My mum had... Uh, yeah, I think you're right. That wouldn't be good. My mum my had somebody knock on the door, and this person says, do you want to give some money to the air ambulance? And she said, well, actually, I already give some money to uh, this charity and that charity. And he said, well, it's only uh, like a fiver a month, and you only have to do it for three months. Reasonable. And You know, she's not exactly rolling in it, my mum. And so in the end, she had to sort of insist this man left her front door. Right. And he walks off with a chronic hump. And her TV, which was, <laughs> frankly, theft, wasn't it? But, uh, but it is strange when the charity people get the hump with you. For not increase, like when you've got a direct debit and they phone up and say, "Do you want to increase it?" That annoys a lot of people. I know people who then cut off the direct debit altogether because they felt they were bullied by the charity to increase but, it. But it's another thing. I mean, you, we, you, I know you have your pet charity, so to speak, and I yep. do as well. But when people in the street sort of, they don't know what you do. They don't know what money you give, whether you're charitable or not. Correct. They don't even know if you work for a charity. So when they stop you and they sort of say all this thing, all right, well, have a nice day then, to try and make you feel guilty. But, uh, you know, all charities, I think, are are there for worthwhile reasons yep. and should be applauded. There you go. With the exception of the RSPB, who are just... As are most birds, to be fair. Well, this is it. Kev. From Aberdeen Seb. Seb says, Are you watching any blockbuster TV shows at the moment? Until the last bit of Breaking Bad comes out, I'm bereft of what to watch. Very easy, Seb. The answer is The Walking Dead. Next, from... Hang, hang on, The ne- Walking Dead. Best show on TV. Oh. Well, Who's in that? That and Doctor Who are probably joint best. Well, Doctor Who's for kids. No, it's not for kids. Well, of course Doctor Who's for kids. Of course what are you it's talking not for about? kids. It's a family show. It's, it's about a, a pretend story. doctor who goes around looking for aliens. Well, you're a pretend radio host who pretends to be entertaining. <laughs> yes, I don't very often get away with it. Well, Neither indeed. does Doctor Who. Uh, the Living Dead. Walking Dead. Walking Dead. Yeah. Andrew Lincoln, David Morrissey's in it now as well. Uh, it's English actors playing Americans, playing them brilliantly, fighting zombies, all characters. Oh, of course, yes. It's extraordinary. Why is it mostly English actors playing Americans? Because American actors can't do dark convincingly after Hugh Laurie did dark on House, I believe is the reason. You're saying so, Americans can't play dark <coughs> characters? I'm saying Americans can't act. That wipes out most Hollywood films. No, but if you... are crazy mama. Yeah, I know, but th- this seems to be what they're thinking now. After Hugh Laurie had all this great success, is we have to have English actors 
to be at the front of these shows because they can do layered and depth and right. dark okay. on TV. Maybe that's what it is. Anyway, you should be watching The Walking Well, if Dead. you look at things like Game of Thrones, and there's another one that's about to start starring Jamie Murray. I can't think what it's called, but it's another, uh, I think, sci-fi type number. Right. So you do like sci Well, yeah, but Game of Thrones isn't sci-fi. So, well, that's fantasy, isn't it? Yeah. Do you watch that? No, actually. Me neither. From Chip. Is it summer yet? No. From Billy No Gates. Guess what? My gates turned up. Hey! From Edison Carter. I think it's high time for a Max Headroom revival. <laughs> Who's with me? I am. I love Max Headroom. Although, the thing is, as a kid with Max Headroom, if you were into computers and things, yep. uh, and I know you're, you're too young to remember things like the Commodore 64. Of course. And You'd see Max Headroom and people would be amazed because this computer-generated, uh, you know, incredible computer graphics. And wow, how much how much of a computer would you have to have to make Max Headroom happen? This is incredible. It's state-of-the-art computer graphics. One day we'll get close to this. And it turns out, years later, I find out it wasn't computer graphics. It was an actor with a bit of makeup on and a frame generator thing that made it go wobbly. Ass wipes. Max Hedrum was about as computer-generated as you are. Well, that's true, because on a Saturday evening, Bobby Davro used to do an impression of Max Hedrum. And it looked... Indeed he did, yeah. It looked just like Max Hedrum, so... Yeah, good old Bobby Davro. Yeah. Uh, Finally, from the glowing eye stock is another TV-related one. It's Doctor Who's 50th anniversary this year, Kev. (sighs) Will there be a celebration on the podcast? Yes, there will, Glow. No, there won't. We're going all not, no, out. Not at all. Blowing ice not We are going to be going for it no like mention. you wouldn't believe on this podcast. No reference. It's going to be... No actors. Can we get some actors on then? We're going to get experts. We're going to get actors. It's going to be the number one Doctor Who podcast okay. in the comedy <laughs> section of iTunes. Brilliant. Why not? I'll download that myself. It's going to be great. If you've got any questions... You were uh, in Doctor Who. You could talk about it. If you've got any questions you want to put to uh, to me or Kev about anything, it's all just points you want to raise uh, on the feedback section uh, on the podcast. You can uh, tweet Kev, which is sideshow underscore Kev, or at Ian Collins UK. Got a mystery guest coming up. You are going to be so excited. Is it Captain Peacock? Ah! I want to melt when I hear the scream, Kev. I like it that much. It's the random acts of irrational annoyance. Little, it's, you don't really need the whole guff, do you? It's the little things in life, they, they royally piss you off. They shouldn't, because the tiny, little, minuscule insignificances. However, the smaller, sometimes the more annoying. Their annoyance is almost based in their irrelevance. The fact that they don't matter is the very thing that makes them matter. They are random acts of irrational annoyance. When you say melt, do you mean... Your brain melts, your heart melts, or your loins melt? It's a, a warmth in the pit of my tummy that melts. Really? Yeah. Did you get that scene too? Yeah. Working on it. Might be gout. Have you got one, Kev? I have two. Firstly, why is everyone so bloody negative? Particularly online. No one's allowed to have any fun. There is no one thing that people can take joy in and go, I love this. Without some wanker <laughs> jumping in and saying, you know what, I think it's a bit sh-. Fair enough. But you don't have to spoil people's fun. It can Fair be is. TV programs or radio programs or just books or just things that people like. Yeah, but you're always on those Doctor Who forums and everybody moans about that. Oh, Doctor Who fans hate Doctor they Who. Hate Doctor Who. Yeah, they hate Doctor Who. Yeah. They had everybody involved in Doctor Who. Yeah, and that just, I mean, that whole thing Which is, is a bit is weird. Mad. It is mad and it is weird. But 
you have this sort of situation where nobody is allowed to like anything differently anymore. Because yeah. online, everyone has to like the same thing. And if someone goes, I don't like it, therefore, it's wrong. They are and then attacked. When did anyone ever say we were supposed to have the same taste? Oh, you're so caring. Thanks. And the other one is kind of the return of an old favourite. Forgive me if I've mentioned this before. I know I have a lot in my actual life as opposed to my podcast life, but The Green Room with Neil Sean. Have you seen this? You know this. In- Neil Sh- isn't Neil Sean a showbiz? Yes, he uh, is. That's exactly person. what it is. Yeah. It's a showbiz column, which is okay. more like a sort of tiny green box in Metro newspaper, in which Neil gives you uh, showbiz news, okay. which is actually completely irrelevant tidbits uh, with no meaning or substance or verifiable source. Anybody could do it. Anybody could do it. It's all its all just meaningless piffle. So presumably somebody pays this merchant for this. Yeah, uh... if you were a celebrity, for example, you wouldn't sue over it because it's so piffling. Yeah. Anybody could do it. Even me. Audrey, give me some made-up celebrity sh- music. <laughs> Jennifer Aniston told me she really likes coffee. I have at least three cups a day. She reveals. I know what you're thinking. That's a bit light and rubbish, isn't it? That's... He didn't really say that, did he? No, that's the kind of thing he would Is say, Is that what though. he says? That, it's, it's almost exactly yeah, yeah, the yeah. kind of thing he says. That's shocking. Or another. Slinger Adele wasn't always 24 years old. I used to be a child, she tells me. <laughs> I'm not saying that he makes it up. I'm just saying that it's all just so... Minute. Because if we said he, yes, because if we said he makes it up, then he could sue us for saying he makes it up. So we can't say he actually makes it up. I'm not saying he makes it up. But you can say you can. Here's the thing you can make things up if you were someone else and not Neil Shaw. Like me, like I did just then. You can make something up and still be within the law. Yes. As an example. It would be so uh, trivial, no celeb in their right mind would ever want to sue for it. And if they did, then folk would laugh, point and stare. Exactly. And from my point of view, I just made up some examples of how you could make up some minor trivia about celebrities and get away with it. I'm just, you know, in theory. Hmm. Here's one here. So it's a bit of showbiz gossip just found on the the mess. Yeah. Neil Sean. He's a quack quack. Oops. Is he? There you go. So, I don't think that's gossip. I think um, that's well known. Oh, it's just fact, as it turns out, uh, yes. Uh, here's a random act of irrational annoyance, Kev. Um, the, the phone companies practising the almost universally practised and sadly widely accepted habit or system of locking your phone. What in the name of Alexander Graham King Bell <laughs> is that all about locking your phone and here's what happened okay this is where it, it comes around and bites you so for some reason and there's absolutely zero security protection for you in the phone lock okay because any thief uh, worth his salt knows how to get through the phone lock so of course that that's never going to work so pretty it's like the same with anything banking uh, security all that banking you know stuff and you think, well, how did the fraud happen? Because the, the fraudster didn't know any of the answers to these questions, like your mum's maiden name and your first pet and mm. all that kind of shit. So how, how did they get through? So clearly there are ways beyond all of those systems. But the, the locking of the phone, which is hugely annoying, because sometimes you just want to change a provider or whatever. So I have an iPhone, 
and I buy it sim free down at the car phone warehouse. Right. And I find a phone company, uh, get the put their sim card in it. What I don't realise is the moment that sim goes in, it locks the phone. It locks my phone. Right. I haven't asked them to lock my phone. They've decided to lock my phone. Fast forward a year and a half later, don't need the phone anymore. Someone says to me, sell it on eBay. Brilliant. So I think, well, I bought it at the car phone warehouse. I'll sell it unlocked because it's not locked. I don't think, why would it be locked? Fair point. I, I bought an unlocked phone. Why would anybody without my permission lock it? So I sell it to this fella in Portugal, and he receives it. Everything goes fine. He's delighted. I get the money, and he then says, mate, it's uh, locked. And I said, well, it, it can't be locked because I bought it unlocked. At what then follows is a week of investigation where I go back to the provider. I say, look, I bought this phone, but it was about 18 months ago. Um, I don't, you know, I now have a different phone altogether. So your SIM doesn't even work with, you know, can, are you the people that now have to unlock it? And they say you have to go back to the shop that you bought it and get a receipt to prove it's your phone. So what? I then have to go back to the car phone warehouse. I drive there. I get the receipt. They give me the receipt. I then have to fax it off to the phone company who then say it will then take up to three days. to. Re- and I'm thinking, this is my property. I am having to prove to you about the phone that I own in order for you to unlock something. It doesn't seem fair, just or right, does it? It's just a waste of everybody's freaking time. That's what it is. Uh, This in from uh, Fruitback McFly, who says, (laughs) anyone who irons jeans... Do you iron jeans? Well, sometimes you have to. Yeah. I mean, I... iron too much on the crinkle. Yeah, if you don't put put creases down the front, like your mum might have done when you you were like... I know you do. (laughs) But if they've, if they've come out of a tumble dryer or something, yeah. then you, ha- you have to give of them course a, you a run over them a little bit. Nelly the Greek says, malted milk biscuits. What a classic non-event these pups are. Have you um, succumbed to the cult of the breakfast biscuit yet? What's that? Egg and bacon or something in a biscuit? No. <laughs> oh, wow. You've just hit a what is the, idea. What is the breakfast biscuit? It's usually got some like solid yogurt or honey or something in between. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. A couple right. of bits of digestion. So nice? No. Yes, if you're having a breakfast and you want it to taste of... Bacon and eggs. You do, but on you know, but if you're having cereal, then you know cereal bars are one thing. But yeah. breakfast biscuits is a sort of it's a, it's something that they're trying desperately to get to catch on. Like, oh well, what'd you have for breakfast this morning? I had a couple of breakfast biscuits. Yeah, anybody says that should be smacked in the chops with their own biscuits. They should. Dan says uh, not irrational. But people who offer to shake your shake your hand, uh, but when they still have crisp dust on them, right? Yeah, and there's also people who do that coming out the loo, aren't there? Crisp dust. Yes, is it called crisp dust? Of course it must be. But that happens. People come out the carsy. Nice to meet you, sir. I remember Paul Ross. Do you remember Paul Ross? Of course I remember he was Paul a, Ross. He was a broadcaster. Do I remember Paul Ross? He was a broadcaster in the 90s. <laughs> he still is a broadcaster. Yeah, I know. Uh, but he's a very nice man. But whenever he was shaking your hand, the first thing he would do is he'd go like this and wipe his hand like he had something on it. Prior to a shake. Yeah. Dan also says, uh, bands like Aerosmith and Bon Jovi being called uh, rock ballads. Those two words should never be used together. But I remember at school with Bon Jovi, kids into Bon Jovi, but that was like slightly hard. Oh, very. We had we had like levels. You had like levels of stuff, and you had like Bon Jovi, and then there was always be the one kid with the Iron Maiden T-shirt. Yes, and there'd be one kid, just one, who was into Metallica. But the kid who was into Bon Jovi was kind of cool and rocking, which is ironic when you look at Bon Jovi's vast catalogue of shit. It's effectively just pop with guitars and big hair. And you used to sit there with your Kylie T-shirt on, didn't you? This in from Kane, who it was, says... It was Jason. Sorry. Getting a missed call from somebody you know, calling them back a second later and they don't pick up the phone. Yeah. What is all that about? 
I think it's because they secretly hoped for the voicemail. There's another one as well for iPhone people. You know when you're sending someone, you send someone a text, and when someone is replying to you on the iPhone, a little speech bubble appears. Yes. There's nothing more frustrating than when you've, you know, I'm going to say, don't you? You know, you've written your text, and a little speech bubble appears and goes away, and no text arrives. It's like, what were they writing? So does the speech bubble send? mean they're starting to write? Yeah, it means that they're typing something. The speech bubble with like the three dots. They're actually it. starting to type. Yeah, so they're, they're typing so something. So then they start and then they then stop. It, yeah, then it goes away and a message appears. Yeah. It's when it goes away and a message doesn't appear. Uh, it just It's frustrating. Jeremy says, people carriers with one kid in it. That's a strange one. Yeah, well, it's meant to be irrational, isn't it? Yeah. Perhaps it had six to start with and they were all dropped off one by one at the various schools or nurseries. Perhaps. Maybe not. Uh, Joanne says, uh, people who say, do you know when it'll be fixed? Yeah, when it's fixed! Can't argue with that logic. Although you do sometimes need some guidance, don't you? Especially when your car goes in for something. Any idea? What is that intake of air that comes only from the fizzog of a mechanic? Any idea how long that's going to... Gareth says, blanket coverage on the Beeb and elsewhere about the events in Rome. Done to death. Enough already. There was a lot. We, I think we talked about that the other day. Didn't it was we? very showbiz, though, the wasn't papal, it? papal uh, yeah, coverage. Yeah, but it was very showbiz. You had the, you know, oh, oh, it's black smoke. Oh, oh, yes. you're hanging on. Did you see the, uh, the, the seagull that perched on the chimney? No. And this sucker showed no signs of moving. And it was looking f- for a moment that it would be the first sort of papal announcement that coincided with a cooked seagull on the roof of the Vatican. Because this thing was just standing still for about five hours. If nothing else, it would have got a bit sooty. Yeah. I know there's a gag there. I can't think of it. Yeah, no, we're probably not allowed to sell it anyway. <laughs> uh, this from Colin. People wearing football shirts on a night out. <sighs> yeah, good call. Or on holiday. John Maloney, comedian John, ah. of course, says, Alexi Sale. Yeah, I kind of know exactly where he's coming from. And Andy says, uh, I hate the fact that it's not 1998 and I can't hear you, Nick Abbott, Scott Chisholm on the same radio station, and Simon Bates. Well, it's funny you should say that. <laughs> Dear Andy, you haven't got to wait too long. Your old mate Cy is back here. My mate Alf from Home and Away says hello. <laughs> Hi. That's it. Uh, if you've got any irrational annoyance and you'd like to send them our way, uh, Kev at onceaword.com, Ian at onceaword.com. Uh, we've got a right beauty uh, for the remainder of this podcast, which is unusual, frankly. It is unusual. Yes, it's unusual, because we've got quality to come on this episode. Yeah. That doesn't happen very often. And, of course, my surprise guest. Ah, oh, this is... It's astonishing. Ah, don't even go there, Kev, because I'll just wet myself I'll just say it, fourth time You tonight. are very, very familiar with this guest, yeah. and it, I, it's just exciting. I can't wait to get there. Beautiful. The Mitsubishi L200 comes with a 125,000-mile five-year warranty. In fact, if you bought an L200 today, it would last roughly five years longer than a politician's promise. For more info on the Mitsubishi L200, visit your local dealer. The Mitsubishi L200. No environment too tough. Sideshow Kev's Showbiz Shoebox. I was about to say very, very excited, but I'm not very excited because it's the showbiz shoe box, which um, if I get five out of five this week, we'll be on our way to the feature being scrapped. Yeah, well, what we said is three in a row, five out of five. And... So last week I got five out of five. Yeah. Uh, but the, I can't remember what I got the week before. So starting from last week then, five out of five last week. Yes. If I get five out of five this week and next week, 
we we scrap the feature. Well, we we no we yes. scrap it. We, what do you mean we don't scrap it? It, it comes Can to the it, end, end of its season. It, it finishes and we tie it up in a bow. And Shred we move it. On. We do other things. Okay. What have you got, Kev? We begin with an email. Audrey, chuck a tune on love. Dear Crazy Kev, the Wonder Horse. I'm often amused by... No, not the showbiz shoebox, obviously. But I'm amused by the sheer ridiculousness of some celebrity middle names. I mean, what were their parents thinking? Mad. That's from Bobby Clundrimmer Smith. So guess what we're going to do? Andre, give me some Clundrimmer music! Ouch. Very simply in college. Oh, yes. Bunch of celebrities. Yep. Real names. Okay. Just spot the real, real middle name. Just the middle name. I'm right. pretty sure you won't get five out of five I'm this gonna, week. I'm going to give it some large. It's very difficult. I'm ready. Very difficult. Okay. Number one. Robbie Williams. Yep. What's his middle name? Is it A, Robbie Snootwhistle Williams? Is it B, Robbie Peter Maximilian Williams? Yes, two. Or is it C, Robbie... Hammer Williams. It is, in fact, B. Not C. <laughs> it's the correct answer. We're on our way to a scrapping of this feature. Here we go. Now, look, that was a tricky one. Come on. But I'm pretty Come sure on. you will get this next Come one. Come on, give us another. Kiefer Sutherland. Oh, yeah. What's his middle name or middle names? Is it A, Kiefer William Frederick Dempsey George Rufus Sutherland? Is it B, Kiefer Ding Dong Dale Jack Bowers in the Well Sutherland? Or is it C, Kiefer... Dwarf Tosser, Sutherland. It's A. Come on. That's two out of two. Mark it up, fella. It's just going to get diff- more, more and more difficult All as right, time goes here on. Here we go. I love a quiz. And a quiz that could lob this feature into oblivion is all the more tasty. The stakes are high. Yeah. Samuel L. Jackson. But what does the L stand for? Is it A, Samuel Leroy Jackson? B, Samuel Lion Tamer Jackson? Or C, Samuel... Likes a pint, Jackson. It's a... It's the correct answer. Two-thirds of the way towards the abolition What about number four? Shoebox. Kate Hudson. Kate Hudson. Kate eh? Hudson. Yeah. What's her middle name or names? Is it A, Kate Mario Kart 64 Hudson, B, Kate Gary Hudson, or C, Kate Rapscallion Tumble Monkey Hudson? Well, it's got to be, uh, given that it's got a mum called Goldie, and yes. I'm, I'm saying uh, Gary I can't interest you in Rapscallion Tumble Monkey. No. There's still time to change your mind. No. Mario Kart 64? No. Gary. That's the correct answer. Finally, number five. Come Peaches Geldof. Oh, yes. What is her middle name? Could be tricky, name? this one. Is it A, Peaches Farflung Cat Weasel Donut Adam's Apple Geldof? I don't need the other two. B, Peaches Cavernous <laughs> Ooh, Look at Me Cuckoo Spit Geldof? Or C, Peaches, Honey Blossom, Michelle, Charlotte, Angela, Vanessa, Geldof. It's C, because... Oh, come on. Come on. Think about this. Think about this carefully. Come on, it's C, because a mum and dad were f***ing crackers. <laughs> Good Lord. It's five out of five. Five out of five on the shoebox. Which means next week, if we get the full five, it's a run of three, and as promised, contractual agreement, we ditch this feature. Look at his little face over there. These are dark Look, days. his eyes are welling up already. Dark days. His little ears are flapping. Look at that. Dark days. How do you flap your ears like that? Dark days for the country's most popular podcast feature. Yeah, right. I just need to rally the troops. I need people to support this feature. People, if you want to save it, then act now, please. I shouldn't bother. Write to your MP. 
lobby parliament, do whatever you have to do. Stand by for mystery guest. So let me just put you in the picture here. Uh, I've just been asked to leave my own studio, uh, but now I've come back in, and there's an additional chair being placed, and obviously what looks like somebody in the chair, covered in a blanket. Uh, presumably, Kev, this is the this is your mystery guest surprise. Well, let me your spring surprise. Let me help you out here. It's okay. not ET, who is famously covered with a blanket. Yes. Nor is it one of Michael Jackson's children. Right. Okay. It is, in fact, Andre. Give me a drum roll. Very exciting. Come on. Ta-da! It's the Coleco Tombolatron! I found it in a skip at the back. I knew you'd love to see it again. What the... What would... Yeah. Why would a Tombola be infinitely more interesting to me than, like, a you know, real-life person? Somebody funny, a little bit interesting... One of our uh, many regular correspondents that we have on. It could have been a Will or a Phil or a Dell. I think. Not Adele. 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 Not Adele. That would be brilliant, wouldn't it? Oh, I... my heart's broken <laughs> by some man who dumped me when I was 17. <laughs> Go blimey, governor. Me heart's broken. <laughs> me name's Adele. Nobody loves me. Yes, I'm an East End gal. That was very moving. However, from the flurry of letters and emails I personally have received, I can tell you that Tombolatron is much missed. A few episodes ago, for those of you who didn't listen to it because it had no features or no guest, it had an electric Tombola, the Coleco Tombolatron. Yeah, download that episode because we had a... We had a nice time. We, we did. We had a bit of a riot with that one, didn't we? However, so... with the Tombolatron, I okay. think it was got rid of before its time, especially as the light is still blinking, which means there is still at least one subject in there. Okay. So come on, let, let's... All right, let, let okay, me press okay, the all right. Just, let me just you, press the button, then we fire, can move on. Fire it up and uh, let, let's do it. Let's see what we go. Here we go. <laughs> It says, from Rob in Perth, conspiracy theories. Okay. Um, for those who are unsure how this worked, uh, essentially, whatever the subject suggestions were, thank you, Rob, by the way, uh, we just chew the fat on the subject. Yes. We've done quite a lot. We've had um, Alex Jones on and uh, David Icke's been on with us. Uh, we did the Diana one, uh, which is another episode you can download. Controversial, that Actually, one. Actually, I'll tell you, no, there's a better conspiracy theory. I found myself... In the oh, this is brilliant. Really? Yeah, I found myself in the midst of a just the craziest conspiracy theory, which all happened via the nonsense that is Twitter. And I've learned quite a lot from Professor Kevin Dutton, the leading psychologist who joins us as one of our regulars on the podcast, of course. And Kevin always makes the point that when it comes to psychology, uh, intelligence is not a factor. So, in the same way that you can. Uh, watch two politicians arguing or two football teams playing and depending on which one you support or follow you will always see that person favorably and you will always see the opposition or the other team in a less favorable light uh, it doesn't matter what evidence is flung in front of you about what they might have said done whatever contradictions fouls or manner of tomfoolery basic human psychology says that uh, your intelligence levels 
don't actually matter. You will still make irrational judgments. And this is kind of uh, what happened. So I found myself on Twitter. It was just after that Eastleigh by-election, after Chris Hune had to resign, of course, and he's now in jail, yeah. as is his ex-wife. Um, but what had happened, various small parties, there was the Elvis Loves Pets party, and there was a party called the NHA party, uh, which was the National Health Action Party. And this is a group of people, some clinicians, some just people who follow it, who believe that the coalition are doing bad things with the NHS, and therefore they wanted to start a party and to st- seriously stand in elections around the country. Right. And I think they're going to do the same in 2015. They didn't do particularly um, well, but their cause is, you know, just democracy and all the rest of it. So what had happened, they were beginning to, on, on Twitter, there be- began this narrative of people getting really, really annoyed that the BBC were not covering health issues in the way they should be. And all manner of theories were spawned from this. The, the, the BBC are doing the government's work. Mm. That was really central to this. And it, got, it just got a whole lot worse. Now, so there were two or three like, debates up and running on Twitter. I found myself arguing with two or three specific people. One guy was a paramedic, so you assume he's not an idiot. And he was essentially telling me how... The media works. Right. And this is where it became slightly... I thought, hang on a second, you're probably a really good paramedic and I'm very, very grateful that you go around in your ambulance and help people and save lives, and that's fantastic. Um, I I would not dream of telling you how that job worked, the politics that surround it, the finer ramifications of what your workplace is like, the minutiae of the contract you have and what you need to do, your work. I wouldn't dream of it, but this guy thought absolutely nothing of telling me how my workplace function on a daily basis, which included this idea that the BBC had been negligent in in covering health issues. They weren't covering enough. So a whole load of people said, well, they didn't cover this aspect of the health bill. They didn't cover the fact that this MP has shares in a health company. They didn't cover the fact that, uh, that this is a hospital or this department is closed. They didn't cover... Well, you know, how, how far do you go with that unless you want your news bulletin to be three days long? Because that's the only option, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you've got this crazy situation where what they were actually saying is it didn't give them the news how they wanted it Mm. rather than so the entire bbc they said was negligent in this unfortunately the very next day or a couple of days later there were i think the first two headlines on nearly all the bbc news was about health issues and i sent them links from the bbc website they've got a health section but what they seem to be saying and this is where it got really tasty in the conspiratorial department was that chris Patton who is the chairman of the BBC, uh, because he a, 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 was a, a Tory, uh, you know, Lord Patton, and he served in John Major's government. He was the last um, Hong, Kong. Hong Kong governor, of, yes. of, of course. Um, and he's about as Tory-fied as a fish, frankly. I mean, this guy <laughs> is, like, right... Anyway, that's irrelevant. So they were suggesting what had happened is that Chris Patton was now the chairman, so clearly the government, mostly David Cameron, had gone to Chris Patton and said... Can you make sure they don't cover this on the news? Now, this is where it all falls apart, because I don't think they've quite realised what that would take. First of all, for a chairman to get anywhere near a newsroom. I mean, this is a BBC, by the way, that are regularly on strike. This is the other thing that came up. The BBC is full of right wingers. So now I don't know anybody who's ever said anything so daft as the BBC (laughs) is full of right wingers. 
is he so clearly, if you were ever work there, like most er- any area of journalism, it's mostly full of people who are pretty left-wing. But their news is neither one or the other. So you often get the left say it's a right-wing conspiracy and the right say left. But actually, on this occasion, what they were saying is that the Prime Minister got in touch with the chairman of the BBC, who then let it be known that the uh, news has to take a certain angle and some things mustn't be mentioned. This, of course, being a BBC, which has had no trouble at all over the past year or so, and I'd be entirely happy to put itself in a position like that, which could... I'm guessing, jeopardise the very nature of the BBC charter. Well, ab- absolutely, yeah. The, the fact that it's been hauled through the coals, uh, left, right and centre over the last 12 months, is you know almost all you need to know. But what's fascinating about the chairman theory is... So how would this work then? So the chairman would have to speak to the head of news. Presumably this would be a secret meeting, but there would have to be a list of things. There's, there must be a list, a piece of paper. Mm. with the, These are the things we don't want you to say on the news. Whatever you do, don't mention these things on the news, because it will upset the government and we'll struggle to get our health bill through if you start singing like a bloody canary on your news bulletins about what we're doing. So you'd have to tell that to the head of news. This is where it gets really interesting, because the head of news would then have to call in all their journalists, particularly their health correspondents, and their newsreaders and say, look, whenever you're doing a health story, make sure you never mention, I've got a list here, came from Chris Patton, via the Prime Minister, and all the things on the list are the things we don't want you to mention. So you'd have to tell that to every single journalist. Then you'd have to get in all the newsreaders and say to the newsreaders, by the way, when you're interviewing one of the journalists who's outside a hospital or in the lobby of the Houses of Parliament, whatever you do, these are the questions. You can never ask any of these questions. If you ask any of these questions, it will upset the chairman, it will upset the prime minister, it will upset Nick Clegg, and all manner of terrible things will happen. So you have to tell the newsreader. And then I was thinking about this. I thought, hang on a second. I do work at the BBC. Right. I would have to be called into the room and told not to mention the things. And they'd have to say to me, because you sometimes appear on the BBC uh, d- doing commentary and you, you comment on stuff of the day, you uh, b- pitch up on the daily politics or BBC News reviewing the newspaper. So I would have to have this same list so I would know what I'm not allowed to mention whenever <laughs> I'm reading the newspapers. And furthermore, the everyday floor manager that I said would have to tell me and the producers and all the editors would have to say, by the way, if there's any health stories in the papers, don't mention them. If you do mention them, don't mention this as... You see what a load of old f***ing sh- <laughs> This is... This is how nuts it is. This man was then telling me that I was part of the conspiracy and I was a media puppet. He then said, right, if you're not a media puppet... Get the uh, the NHA party, this is the health party I was referring to, get them on your show tomorrow. Now, there's something a little bit sinister and nasty about that. It's like, prove to me, yes. monkey boy, yeah. that there's no conspiracy. The only way I will believe you. And this just went on. It was absolutely insane. I have never, in about seven years of going to the BBC, ever been told or asked uh, to not mention a certain story that's in a newspaper to curtail an opinion about what's in a newspaper to somehow moderate what I think of certain politicians or certain parties or certain stories or certain issues. In fact, I've got a gut feeling that if I went nuts about Jeremy Hunt and his crackerjack health bill, I think that I would be probably applauded in the TV gallery as it was being filmed. I think that is more likely to be the case. So there is no uh, conspiracy. But isn't it fascinating that people who work in other areas and intelligent people think it's okay to tell you that? But of course, 
the fact that you've just spent so long telling people there isn't a conspiracy uh... in some people's minds is proof that there is, because otherwise... Why would you be going off on one about the fact that there is no conspiracy? So it's the double conspiracy reverse ferret throwback blowback. Yeah, and and this podcast is just... <laughs> part of it. Part of it. Yeah. The, the paramedic says to me, if you don't have this party on your show, it will prove you are a media puppet. Yeah. What's really happened here is not a case of the news has forgotten to report news. What they're really saying is they haven't reported the news as they would have liked no, it. This is it I, watch, I watched something the other day about property prices and the economy, and I'm almost shouting at Matelli, thinking, why didn't you ask that question? Or why haven't you mentioned that fact I read earlier on today? Well, there's no conspiracy behind that. So I would argue that that particular bulletin or that particular report f- failed to uh, adequately appease me of the info I wanted. But for somebody else, it was probably absolutely fine. Uh, the only way around this is for the BBC and else others to phone up everybody in the country and ask them what they would like on the news that yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. But on the plus side, isn't it lucky that the Tombolatron was positioned and gave you this platform purely by chance? Do you know what? You're not wrong, actually, yeah. yeah and you were, you, were, you were poo-pooing the idea to begin with. Did I cover all bases there? I think you covered most of them. Fantastic. We should bring that thing back in the summer. <laughs> we should. I quite like the Tombola Tron thing. What's it called? Tombola Tron. But don't put it in the skip this time. You put it in the skip. Why would I put that in the skip? Didn't Andre, where you Andre, where you go? Andre! Credit stream. And that's it, kids. All done. Nothing more to see here. We are, of course, back with a brand new episode next week. Thanks to you for downloading. If you like what we do, then make sure you get over to iTunes to rate, review and subscribe. Android users, of course, can try us on the free Stitcher app or download at stitcher.com slash once a word. Thanks to all of our guests. All can be followed on Twitter, as can we, at Ian Collins UK. The in-show feature and sponsor music is by Kevin McLeod. His website is incompetech.com. The show's technical operator is Andre Porch, programme edited by Joe Marshall, our researcher was Andrew Lloyd Webber, and today's utterly useless piece of trivia comes courtesy of Mel in Droitwich, who tells us that the medical term for having a bent penis is Peyronie's disease. Apparently, nearly 20% of all men can suffer from this kink-based disorder. There you go, Kev. Not alone after all. Oh, and as ever, the in-show catering was provided by Abdul's Coffee Shack. We're back next week with what can only be described as a podcast loving. Until then, goodbye. A Big Things Media production. Big Things! Ian Collins wants a word. Powered by the Mitsubishi L200. With a five-year, 125,000-mile warranty, that's longer than an MP's expenses claim. Ah!